Welcome to We Are Arkansas. This is Reverend Stephen Copley. I'll be your host today. We're very honored to have as our guest Bruce Biggin, who is the uh, church pastor for Arkansas for the Family Federation for World Peace and Unification. Welcome, Bruce, and thank Thank you for being on the show. Happy to be here. Uh, Bruce, you and I have had conversations. Could you um, share with uh, with me and with the audience uh, about your faith journey? Because you've had oh, a very okay. interesting journey through the years. Well, uh, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania. I found my way eventually to Atlanta, Georgia, <clears throat> and went to seminary there and then uh, moved to Newark to do inner city mission work uh, in the ghetto. And then uh, I went back to Atlanta. So I was really thinking, how, how do we break down racial walls? How do we find truth? And how do we find love? How do you balance love and truth together? So I would go into uh, uh, a minority community and witness to people, sometimes got threatened, but... <laughs> But I, I really felt I have to do something to break down the barrier between black and white. So I was doing that. I was thinking, how can we build an ideal world? How can we build a world of peace? And so it was during that time in 1972 I met our church. Uh, and I really saw in the people that they were dedicated to those kinds of ideas, uh, although I didn't see it first. but So I studied, and I didn't agree with everything, and uh, I was struggling with what does this mean. Then God just told me, this is true. This is where you ought to be. So I joined uh, in 1972, and that's 40-some years later. What sort of training did you, or studying did you do um... To, to enter the Family Federation? Well, we studied the divine principle, which is our teaching uh, that was a revelation given by God and Jesus to Rebbe Moon, we believe. And uh, so I studied that, and it's, you know, we study about the ideal of creation, the fall of man, uh, history of restoration, reconciliation, And one lecture really struck me, which was the parallel periods of history, how God worked through the pre-Old Testament age, the Old Testament age, and New Testament age, and how they were all similar. And so all of them repeated one after the other because of human failure. God had to restore the failures of human beings. And then when I looked at it, I said, wow, that's true. That's amazing. No human mind could figure that out. So that's really what kind of convinced me to join our church. What was your, your background? You grew up in Pennsylvania. Did, what tradition did well, you Well, I up grew, in? Uh, my mother was Episcopal. My father was semi-religious. I grew up in the Methodist church. And uh, so I went to, a, after college, a Methodist seminary, yeah. uh, Candler School, same same yeah. school you went to. I was there just to... But I found not everybody believes in God who goes to seminary. And uh, I wanted to do something to help 
solve inner city problems. And I didn't see that that was going to happen by my studying. So I said, if I'm really serious about it, I need to go do it. So I went to Urbana, where they have uh, Christian missions from all over. And uh, I learned about one mission in Newark, New Jersey. And so I decided to apply. And uh, so my pastor said, you can do that as a Methodist. And I kind of thought, well, do you have to be a Methodist, only a Methodist to do this? Can't you do this if you're uh, uh, something else? So um, I went and worked in Newark, New Jersey with a group called Cross Counter. Is a minister who set up a kind of a lunch counter across from a major high school, and they would witness the young people. So we worked in the community and would go out and do Bible studies and and try to uh, gather young people and teach them about the Bible. And we would do block parties and get involved with uh, families. I, I had one young person who was in juvenile in another city, and I would drive his parents to go visit him during that time. So we became good friends. And you mentioned your work there in uh, in the juvenile facility. You you currently do some work in well, the county. I, I did. You did. Uh, I haven't. Tell a little bit about that. Well, uh, I studied Seven Habits of Highly Effective Families with uh, Covey, John Covey, who's the brother of uh, Stephen Covey, and uh, he's the one who wrote Seven Habits of Families. Then uh, Stephen Covey's son, Sean, wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teens. So I really liked this book and liked these ideas. So I decided to go and volunteer at the uh, Pulaski County Juvenile Detention Center and teach these principles. And uh, so I did for two years, two or three years. And uh, it was good. Well, Bruce, you mentioned family, mm-hmm. you know, the seven uh, habits of highly effective families. But you mentioned family. I know one time you and I had a conversation about the absolute importance of love. And mm. we've talked about the radical nature of love mm. that, you mm. know, sometimes we want to define love so that right. I can, you know, I can choose to love whom I want to, but not not yeah. really this really deep sense. Yeah. So family and love. Um, I know that family is central to the um, uh, Family Federation for World Peace. Mm-hmm. Also the concept of peace. So could you share a little bit about uh, Dr. Moon and his journey and some of his basic teachings and writings? Well, uh, he he became a Christian. Uh, nor- he was born in North Korea. So Christianity came down from China into the north and people adopted Christianity. And his family became Christians. His uncle was actually a minister and helped lead the independence movement against the Japanese during uh, Japanese occupation. But he was very serious as a youth and uh, taught Sunday school as a youth. And he would go into the hill behind his house to pray, sometimes all night. And he had many serious questions because he saw what was happening in his country and in the world, 
And he wondered if God is good, why is there so much suffering? Why are people suffering? And uh, through nature, he would see that there was a pair system, a male and female bird and male and female animals. And so uh, he began to think, what is love? The birds love each other and they produce eggs, right? And uh, so it kind of inspired his thinking. Then on uh, Easter morning, when he was 15 years old, Jesus appeared to him and he was shocked. He was trembling and he didn't know what to do. And Jesus asked him to fulfill a mission that Jesus himself had started. First, he said, no, if I promise, I can't turn back. I can't promise to Jesus and then not do it. So he refused the first time. And then Jesus came to him a second time. He said, no, I can't do it. Imagine you're 15 years old and the Messiah comes to you and asks you to do such a great mission. Your life totally changed. So he said he, he went between ecstasy and just dread uh, thinking about what he had been asked to do. Finally, God came the third time and told him, you should do this, and he accepted. And so from that time on, his life totally changed. And for the next nine years, he studied uh, uh, the Bible, Chinese version, Korean version, and uh, English version to try to understand the many parables and symbols that are in the Bible. And after nine years, uh, he came to God and said, this is, this is what I believe, this is what it's saying. And God said, no, you're wrong. Finally, he said, no, it's right. It has to be right. And finally, God approved it. And then from that time, he began to put together the divine principle, which is our teaching. And he was, uh, he was persecuted by Christian churches severely. Uh, different groups were prepared to unite with him. They didn't. So finally, he had to go to a communist prison camp in North Korea, Hangnam. And he was sentenced to three years hard labor. And people usually die within six months. So he witnessed to people not speaking, but 12 people were led to him by their ancestors from spirit world. Their grandfather came and said, you should follow prisoner, I forget, 596, and you should unite with him. So people began to follow him in that sense. And then uh, after uh, the UN forces invaded Korea and they invaded Hung Nam, the communists were taking prisoners one by one with a shovel and a bag of food, leading them out, and then they would shoot, they would have them dig their grave and then shoot them and throw them in the grave. He was scheduled the next day to be executed but then uh, he was liberated by the UN forces and he went back to Pyongyang to gather up his uh, followers that he had uh, uh, gathered there and he spent 40 days. Everybody's fleeing the South because it's a war, mm -hmm. but he stayed there. He found uh, two followers 
and they walked 600 miles to the south. And he carried the one man with a broken leg on a bicycle. So uh, they went to the south to Pusan, which was still safe. And they, he set up a makeshift uh, church out of cardboard boxes and mud and so on, and then began to teach and eventually moved to Seoul. And church began in 1954. And what role does the family play then within the church? I just family is central because our understanding is God gave three blessings to Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. So God's ideal was that Adam and Eve become one with him. Still is today. God wants to become one with him. So if Adam and Eve had become one with him, uh, God would be like their mind and they would be the body of God. So God would dwell in them. And then the second blessing to multiply means that they would produce a lineage of sinless children. And so then God's kingdom automatically could be established by the propagation of Adam and Eve's uh, descendants. And this would be centered upon true love. There wouldn't be any conflict, mind-body disunity, evil, sin, whatever. And then the third blessing for God to have sovereignty uh, would be automatically fulfilled. But our understanding is that didn't happen. And we read the Bible, God ushered Adam and Eve out. But our understanding of the fall is a little bit different than just disobedience. Because in the Bible, it says that when God came looking for Adam and Eve, their lower parts were covered. Not their hands, not their mouth, their lower parts. So this is an indication that the fall occurred somehow through the misuse of love with the archangel. So uh, if we look, all the problems in our world come from the misuse of love, self-centered love in the family, in the community, in the society, in the nation, in the world, people can't love each other. And so we have divorce, we have uh, uh, spousal abuse, we have parents sometimes abuse their children, we see a nation abuses another nation. So his idea is that we come back. I think what's unique about us is most faith, and I really preach all faiths, because they all lead to God. But most of them are by single people, single leaders. But ours is centered upon a man and a woman, Reverend Moon and Mrs. Moon, who we say, who we feel are fulfilling that role that Adam and Eve should have accomplished. And so they're leading people back to the original ideal of marriage, of becoming one with God, and then marriage and restoring our lineage back to God where God can claim us. And so this is really key. They are doing marriage blessings. Hundreds of millions of couples have been blessed. Uh, we, she, Mrs. Moon recently went to Senegal. There are 40 bishops there, 40 religious leaders, their plan is to bless and marriage 40,000 couples. 
And you just mentioned that she's going to Zimbabwe. She's to... going to Zimbabwe to do a blessing there. She's going to bless the president of that country. And also Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela. I've, I don't know if it's his son or grandson has invited her to come. So it's just amazing the impact she's having. She's going to come and speak in uh, at the Nassau Coliseum uh, November 12th. She spoke at Madison Square Garden. And we have uh, Bishop Hezekiah Walker, who is famous as a, 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 a musician and pastor. And I can't for, I don't remember the name, but he's organizing a 5,000 member choir. And so he organized 2,000 members when Mrs. Moon came uh, to speak at Madison Square Garden. He said people are calling him from all over the world to want to be involved in this choir. So it's, it's just incredible. And, you know, she's 75 years old. You would think people were retiring. She is working so hard day and night, nonstop. Uh, her assistant came into her room after uh, Mrs. Moon got up, and she saw that her pillow was entirely wet. And she went, why, why is her pillow wet? Then she realized, because Mrs. Moon always talks about, we need to restore, we need to save 7.6 billion people. And this is not just a slogan, it's what she really means and intends to do. That's why she's doing all these speaking mm -hmm. tours all over mm -hmm. the world. Then her assistant realized uh, her pillow's wet because she's been crying all through the night for humanity. So this is very deep. And uh, so uh, Reverend Moon never rests. He'd sleep two hours, get up three in the morning, pray and study and then begin the day. I don't, I don't know how many people do that. I can't do it. That's, that's remarkable. I, I want to pick up on the, the extension of the idea of love and peace, because you all mm. um, have done a great deal of work around peace. But I know for a period of time, you served on the state's Martin Luther King Commission, mm. and right. which was part of has been part of your whole deep concern mm. for racial division and, right. and and you've done a lot because of the understanding of love and peace mm. coming from your faith tradition right. that we we've somehow we've got to overcome those divisions because yes. that's right. that's not the, the way we're called to live um, right. can you talk a little bit about not only what you've done but perhaps what the church in terms of peace you're helping us do some work around that yeah what, what does the church do around peace? Well, uh, our young people have been involved. Uh, my son went on a program called Generation Peace Academy. They travel all over America, evangelize, and then they spent three weeks, he spent three weeks in Peru uh, doing mission work, helping people there. Another of our members also did that. So, uh, we're doing a women's federation, supporting uh, schools in Africa. We're doing that. That's a, a big thing. And uh, 
Also, we just recently did a program with uh, Arkansas Peace Week, which was uh, having Officer Tommy Norman come and speak to young people about uh, character and also about uh, service. And then we had, um, oh, what's it? Uh, the group that works with uh, Syrian refugees mm -hmm. and orphans. Mm -hmm. So uh, they came and we helped to write letters uh, to the children there. Many have lost their father due to the war. Uh, well, you and I did uh, heat feeding the homeless mm -hmm. to, to uh, times after Christmas when uh, Reverend, what was you remember his name? I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah, At yeah. the Bullock Temple CME Church. Yeah, Reverend Hampton. Hampton yeah. was here, and we did that with Sonny Anon, mm -hmm. who was here yeah. at that time. So these are things that we tr uh, try to do. Uh, probably the greatest activity we're doing is uh, marriage blessing. So we try to bless marriages, pray for families, and provide resources that can help marriages strengthen. Because when I go out, I find many people not married, they're divorced, or they're living together, but not married. <laughs> so we really try to put a lot of emphasis on strengthening families and marriages, and we try to work with ministers and have worked with ministers in the past to promote that kind of thing. Well, I know you're, and I've had the honor of uh, preaching yeah. in your church. I know you're the church pastor for Arkansas, and uh, very briefly, I know that you're, you have a, um, well, from what we've talked about, a worldwide structure. So mm. um, I think you work in regions, first of all. Um, um, just could you briefly tell a little bit well, about that structure? Well, we have international headquarters ahead of the movement worldwide is Mrs. Moon's uh, daughter, Sunjanim. And then each continent has a, a continental director. And then each country has uh, headquarters. Here in America, uh, we have uh, our headquarters in New York and uh, our uh, Continental Director is Bishop Kihun Kim, and we have a national president and national vice president and a board that deal with media, education, youth and family ministries, and blessing uh, for our young people, second generation youth who are getting married and blessed. Uh, recently we had a big blessing, uh, maybe 4,000 in Korea uh, with young people all over the world. Uh, then we have uh, sub-regions. Before it was like a regional uh, structure, Mrs. Moon got rid of that and said you have five sub-regions and you're like a, a, na a nation or continent each. So we have five sub-regional directors uh, who are directing the activities and they work together, but it's we're kind of autonomous in terms of what we do in each region, and our our region is pretty big. <laughs> Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Colorado, uh, Wyoming, just so 
and then uh, each state has a, a local church pastor. So probably we have, and then there are satellite churches in different cities like Houston and Austin, Texas, and uh, Oklahoma City and Tulsa. So, uh, and then we have many different organizations like Women's Federation, American Clergy for Leaders, American Clergy Leadership Conference, Universal Peace Federation. So they have their own offices and then they do their activities in most states. And uh, that's kind of how we're set up. Well, terrific. Bruce, um, again, you've reminded us the central importance of love mm-hmm. and uh, and peace and how we all need yeah. to learn to get along and partly because we really are more alike than we are different. Right. So. Thank you so much for being here today and being on We Are Arkansas. Thank you. Thank you.